Hello, this is Diane from dianeabroad.com. Happy to see you and hear you today. Happy that you can hear me. It's the 30th, it's the 20th of March, 2017. It's 8.30. I'm in Bogota, Colombia. It's dark, so I'm inside. And this is Diane at dianeabroad.com. D-I-A-N-N at dianeabroad.com. That's my website. And you can email me at diane at dianeabroad.com. I'm here in Bogota. Colombia, I have been here for about four days. I will leave in two days for Madrid. I will be in Madrid for five days. And then I'm going to Kosovo. I'm doing a year-long internship at Kosovo at the American University at Kosovo. I'll be doing some work with the administration. I'm so excited. I can't, I can hardly stand it. Meanwhile, I have been, uh, I have been kind of chained to this computer the last few days because I'm changing my website. Actually, I'm leaving Squarespace. Oh, Squarespace, Squarespace. And I'm going to Wix. I'm leaving Squarespace because um, I'm not getting the customer service I like. Furthermore, it's a slow website when the time comes to make changes on it, and I just get so frustrated. I want to scream. So... Finally, you know, the definition of, insa- definition of insanity is keep going back and expecting it to be different. So after a year and a half with Squarespace, I finally, in the middle of the night, said, Diane, get over yourself. Move on. So I st- I'm starting a website at uh, Wix, W-I-X. And it's really a lot of hard work, but the good news is there's always a pony in here someplace. The good news is I'm going to have a website that is absolutely fantastic so much better than what I had before because I know what I don't want now and I know what I want now so I will have improved upon it so that's the good news but yesterday all day long I was tied to this computer really kind of having a good time making these changes and my concepts about this new website which will be you know it'll have a home button it'll have about an about button there'll be the blog I'm going to have a gallery of photos I can't believe how many pictures I've taken over the last year and a half and also I'll have a newsletter which I've had in the past but I'm going to spend more time on that I will have a uh, things about you know cool things to know and I, I'll have something about the book the novel that I've been killing myself to to write, but it's worth it. And I'm going to write the novel if it kills me. I'm going to finish. Almost done. Anyway, so yesterday, all day gone day long, I was at the computer and I had forgotten to eat. And it was 8 o'clock at night. I was starving. So I tried to call room service and they didn't answer the phone. Then I realized they closed at 5 o'clock on Sunday. So I went downstairs. That restaurant was closed. So I thought I'll pop outside because there's a restaurant right across the street. Well, I opened the door and it was pitch black. There wasn't a light on. There was the restaurant was closed down. The other restaurant was closed down. The little frame shop was, you know, I know it's a Sunday, but there weren't even any lights on. So I slo- I shut the door pretty quickly and went to the front desk and said, Camida, Camida, por favor, Camida, I must have food. 
and the woman at the desk, the clerk, who spoke little English, um, chatted with me. We had this nonverbal, gee, I can't speak Spanish, gee, I don't speak English conversation. And she said to me, no, 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 you must not go outside after 7 o'clock. No one, no one in Bogota goes outside after 7 o'clock at night. Only the ladrones, the ladrones. I thought, what are the ladrones? Well, I got out my trusty translator right there on my phone, and it's the thieves. She said, nobody in Bogota goes out at night after 7 o'clock, which is hard. I said, nowhere anywhere in Bogota? She said, nowhere in Bogota. Well, I just don't believe that to be true. I mean, I knew it was kind of a dangerous city, but I also know that there are safe areas. At least that's what Lonely Planet says, and that's what TripAdvisor says. Do you think they're leading me astray? Hmm. Well... She ordered some food for me and a bottle of wine, so it was perfect. So here I am, working on my website, working on my novel, trying to get better at what I do. And by the way, when I was in, I've been in South America for two months. When I was in Quito, Ecuador, I went outside after night after dark. When I was in Lima, I went outside after night. When I was in Cusco, I went outside after night. Oh my gosh, we went to that great big square. It was a beautiful square. And when I was in Santiago, Chile, I went out at night. When I was in Buenos Aires, I went out at night. Not in Bogota. Well, I'm going to listen to what she said, and I'm not going to go out at night. This podcast is going to be is the fourth podcast. I really love doing these podcasts. This podcast is really a look in the look in the in the past a little bit. It's a quick overview of my visit to Auschwitz. And that was in August of uh, 2016. <coughs> I was in Auschwitz in August of 2016. If you haven't been to Auschwitz, you you need to go. Have you been to Auschwitz? It is not fun in Auschwitz, but a lot of what we do and a lot of what we should do is not fun. So I hope this podcast is not going to be a downer for you, but I have to tell you about my experience in Auschwitz. It's going to be a narrow discussion, not a wide range discussion, um, because I want to talk about the thing that uh, stayed with me for all these months. When I went to Auschwitz, you know, you go there and it was, it, there's a great big field with, with buildings in the back and train tracks and cars. And it's just like a kind of a desolate, all the green grass, a desolate place. And I took this tour with about 25 other people. I think there was one couple from the U.S. The rest were from all over the place. And there are all kinds of images it was a six-hour tour, so there are clearly all kinds of images. But of all, and all the images are pretty crushing. What you see and what you hear is pretty crushing. But among all those crushing, crushing images I saw at Auschwitz, it was the hair. The hair that had the most immediate and lasting effect on me. Actual hair 
sheared from the heads of every man, every woman, and every child prisoner. And it wasn't just the head, you know, they shaved every part of their body, not just their heads. That hair was disinfected and wound in balls and placed in net bags. And when I went to Auschwitz, we go into this big room and it was a room full of hair. The hair was discolored, discolored by the ears, but it, unmistakably it was human hair. Brown hair, gray hair, white hair. And the hair was behind plexiglass in this room. And I think it, you know, the wall was like 15 or 16 feet long. The hair was piled up at least five feet. And the depth of the area in which the hair was kept was probably eight feet. All this hair. It reminded me of many years ago when, maybe you, but I didn't, we didn't go to the beauty salon to get our hair cut. We cut our own hair. My mother cut my hair for years and years. And then when I got to the point I could cut their hair, I cut my dad's hair, my mother's hair, my sister's hair, my brother's hair. I cut my children's hair for a while until, until they revolted. <laughs> they said no more. Anyway, when I cut their hair, that hair fell to the floor. My dad's hair was red. My mother and my sister's hair was red. The red hair, the gray hair, and the light blonde hair fell to the floor when I, I swept it up and threw it in the waste paper basket. The hair that I saw at Auschwitz through that plexiglass window looks just like my family's hair. Looks just like my dad's hair. It looked just like my mother's hair and my children's hair, that hair that I threw away in that waste paper basket. I was lucky to be born in the United States, thousands of miles from that horrible war. And if I had lived in a variety of where uh, excuse me, European countries in those years, I probably wouldn't be around. Prisoners of Auschwitz were captured from almost every country in Europe, even even non-European countries. They were captured from Albania, from Belgium, from um, Greece, Hungary, Italy, Latvia, Romania, Spain, Swiss, Switzerland, even from Argentina and China and Bulgaria, all over Europe. If I had been, if I hadn't been born in Europe, in the United States and born in Europe, you know, I probably wouldn't be here. I could have been murdered, not just by the, uh, World War II, but other wars in, in Europe. And I, I probably would have been murdered. My family would have been murdered. Those, my, my neighbors would have been murdered. Now, it's only the sight and of mounds and mounds of hair representing untold lives that were taunted and tortured to their deaths in Auschwitz. I was so moved I was shocked 
when I saw that hair. And I fought back these tears. I didn't even hear what the tour guy was saying anymore because I was too emotional. I fought back the tears, and it was futile because I, I was just, I was crumbled into tears, and, and the tears streamed for like 20 minutes. I was trying to be quiet about it because I didn't want to upset or, you know, disrupt the tour. But it was devastating to me. And you know what they did with that hair? Yeah, I'm sure you've heard. The hair was collected from all those prisoners, and they were shaved from head to toe, and all that hair was kept, and it was pressed into felt for boot liners for the prison guards. So that they could put it in their boots, so that their boots, so their feet were warm when they were walking through Auschwitz in the snow. The hair was spun into yarn to make warm socks so that the guards would have warm feet. Courteous, isn't it? The hair was also used to protect the camp guards from typhus, a lice-carrying typhus. Uh, and uh, I didn't get any photos of the hair, not that I would be not that I would want to take photos of the hair, but out of a simple act of respect, the photos are forgiven, forgive, forbidden in this section of the museum. And, you know, that's about all I can talk about in this six-hour tour of Auschwitz. The words cannot in any way reflect my experience, any effort. Actually, this is kind of a futile effort to talk about the hair. Even the photos that I took, and there are a lot of photos you can see on dianabroad.com, the photos fall short of what of the experience that I had at Auschwitz. I just am so happy that I went. Was it fun? No. Was it devastating? Yes. Was I upset? Beyond. It's little, a little, little to be upset when thousands and thousands lost their lives. But it's important that I went. I want to feel, I wanted to feel, I wanted to see, I wanted to hear what happened. Wow. I'm uh, lucky that I was able to do it. I don't want to forget it. I don't want anybody to forget it. You know, my last name is Schindler, and I used to be, I would, in the United States years and years ago, they'd say, what's your last name? And I'd say, Schindler, like the list, and they'd, oh, yeah, S-C-H-I-N-D-L-E-R. Now in Europe, they say, what is your last name? And I say, Schindler, like the list, and they said, oh, and they, under, they understand. But in the United States, no more. When I say shunder like the lists, nobody knows what I'm talking about. Let, let me, not nobody, but, you know, the younger crowd. I remember a couple of years ago, I was at Harris Teeter Grocery Store, and, and I was going through the line, and the woman asked me my last name. The clerk asked me my la cashier. I said shunder like the list, and she said what? And I said shunder like the list. She didn't know. She said she was 24. 
I said, give you an assignment to read this book. Well, she didn't read the book, but she got the, the video. And she's, and I went back and I was really impressed that she did indeed uh, watch the video. So we can't forget what happens at Auschwitz. We, you know, it's, it's very important and it's not old news, at least for me. So I want to thank you so much for listening to my podcast and um, listening. I hope this wasn't a sad story for you. It shouldn't be sad because we have responsibilities, don't we? I have a responsibility in my world travel here. I've been traveling a year and a half, probably 15 countries now. And I'm so naive, so naive about the world and I'm learning and there's a lot to absorb, but I'm fortunate. I'm um, fortunate to be able to do this and write a little bit about it and take photos and let it sink in. It's a wonderful experience for me for, and an opportunity for growth. So this is Diane at dianeabroad.com. I hope that you will write to me at diane at dianeabroad.com. If you have any suggestions, go to my website and you can look at the photos at Auschwitz and other things. Let me know what you think I should be podcasting about, writing about, how to improve and all of that. I look forward to seeing you next time on the podcast. Thank you so much. Diane signing off.